Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to turn to Philippians 3. Let me give a little introduction as we get ready to go there. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I began this series. It's really a follow-up from my series, Perfect Power for Imperfect People. I, I really sense, as I'm praying for you, as I'm praying for our church family, <clears throat> as I'm studying God's Word and saying, God, what do we need to hear right now? Not just what's sermon. I mean, I've been doing this a while. I can write a sermon. But God, what is the Holy Spirit saying? What do you want us to do? What do we need to hear? And one of the things that came through so strongly as we've been over these last few weeks that God wants you to know that, that His power is perfect even when you're imperfect. How many are thankful for that? That God is an uncommon God in the lives of common people. That God's not at a distance from you. He's running to you right now. How many understand that? A lot of people grew up in church thinking God was against them. God was mad at them. God was after them. Listen, if God wanted to get us, we'd be gotten now. Is that a word? We would be gotten. Do you know you're not that fast and you're not that hard to find? If God was out to get you, you're done, all right? Evidently, that's not his plan. His plan is to find you where you are, bring healing in your life, bring you to the cross of Jesus Christ, fill you with his Holy Spirit, break the strongholds out of your life, and give you the life you always dreamed you could have. That's what God wants to do. But the good news is he will meet you along the way. How many are thankful that he's with you even in the process? How many are thankful that he has perfect power for imperfect people? God's not afraid to step into the middle of our life and show up. And that's what we were learning. But as we continue to go forward, as we continue to just walk in that understanding, I want to teach you a few messages called PowerPoints. PowerPoints. If if this perfect power is available for imperfect people, if this supernatural God loves us right where we are and loves us too much to leave us like that. How many are thankful for that? Now, see, some, some messages are today that they only have half the message. How many want the whole truth? I don't want to give you half the truth. See, some, sometimes it's, it's becoming a, a more common message today, and it concerns me in the church world that people are only telling half the truth. We need all the truth. Half the truth says, and half of it's good, but all of it's better. Half of the truth says, God loves you so much, He just loves you just like you are, and He'll meet you right where you are, and we end it there. But the news is this, God loves us enough to save us just like we are, but the whole truth is, He loves you too much to leave you in that condition. See, that's the whole truth. The whole truth is, you're not too far away for God to save you. It's not too late for God to save you. It's not too late for God to come right where you are, but He also loves you too much to leave you in that mess. How many are thankful for that? Tell the truth. Let's see how many honest people at church on Sunday morning. How many of you may have been a mess when God found you? You understand what I'm saying? How many of you had some drama when God found you? Anybody had some issues when God found you? Fill in the blank. And aren't you thankful we're not just a bunch of saved, drama, issue, junk in the trunk, people going around? That we're different than who we were. God's changing us, and he's with us in the process. I'm thankful for the whole truth. I'm thankful that grace not only saves me, grace transforms me. And so we have this perfect power 
operating in the lives of imperfect people. We, we weren't filled with the Holy Spirit because we earned it. We were filled with the Holy Spirit because God knew we needed that to move us along in his purposes. So following that, going forward, I, I want us to look at these PowerPoints. We looked at one a couple of weeks ago. I want us to find another one today. What's a PowerPoint? Well, it's just something I use to, for you to remember, something for you to kind of get a memory hook and think about this during your week. What's a PowerPoint? Well, this is what I find. There, it's amazing in the most common places, just going through your life in common places, unexpected places, God will step in and do something you didn't even see coming. The Bible calls it sometimes a suddenly. You're moving along. You're serving God. It seems like an ordinary day, and suddenly everything changes in your life. We are moving through life. We are just following God. We may be just going through the grind, and God steps in and does something unexpected. There's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't you love that when that takes place? God puts a mantle on you. God sends fresh fire in your soul. I've been praying that for us this week. You know what the church needs? We need some fresh fire. Amen? We need some fresh fire. There's a lot of folks in the church that had some fire, but it's kind of an ember now. We need some fresh fire. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit to fan some things in us. Come on. The church needs some fresh fire. And if we are faithful to serve Him, it may just seem like an ordinary time. It may seem that, that you don't feel what you want to feel, but God knows what you need. And there are those moments a PowerPoint where we just walk into the presence of God, where we walk into something God had planned. I, I like to think of it like this. God sees what we can't see at this moment. Do you believe that? God sees what we can't see at this moment. So if we are being obedient, if we are being faithful in the little things, someone say little things. If we're faithful in the little things, you know what God is doing? He's marching you to the next PowerPoint in your life. If you're faithful in the ordinary things, God has an appointment set up for you. God has a PowerPoint with your name on it. God has an encounter that you need. And every day, it may not seem like a big day. It may not seem sensational. But as you are faithful, God is moving you to something you don't know about, but He knows about. God is lining you up for His timing and His plan. So we're, I, I want to encourage you today. Let's be faithful today. Amen? Let's just obey God, believe God. And I want you to look at this PowerPoint with me. We're, we're going to see something in Acts 16. I, I may have told you a different passage earlier. Let's go to Acts 16. I, I want you to know that sometimes these PowerPoints, sometimes these encounters with the Holy Spirit are not when everything is going well. Sometimes these encounters with the Holy Spirit are when you are in the middle of a crisis, when you're in the middle of the toughest moment of your life, when you don't feel like worshiping, when you don't feel like everything is going good, when you've been kind of wondering, where is God? When you've been dealing with, why is this going on? Do you know in some of those toughest moments, God will step right in and give you an encounter with the Holy Spirit in your life? So we're going to read about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. It was an amazing moment in their life, but it didn't come easy. Let, let, let's think about this. What set this moment up? Paul and Silas and their missionary team. Paul's on his second missionary journey. And it's interesting, two times the Holy Spirit told Paul no, 
and Acts chapter 16. It said we were ready to go into Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go. He said we turned around and we were ready to go on Mycenae. And the Holy Spirit said, you can't go there. So we're trying to figure out what God is doing. Have you ever been in a moment where you weren't sure what God was doing in your life? Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever been in a moment where you've said, God, what in the world's going on? Have you ever been in a moment when you had a plan and God said, I don't like that plan? <laughs> when, 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 when you say, this is what I'm going to do, and God says, no, 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 let's don't do that. Do you know that sometimes God will tell you no because what you're asking for is too little for the plan God has for you? Do you know that God will sometimes tell you no so he can tell you yes later on? Do you know sometimes God will say, don't do that because you're going to mess up something big. I've got a plan for you. And so two times the apostle, God says, no, don't go preach there. No, don't go do that. And so they're praying. God gives him a vision. And in this vision, a man from Macedonia says, hey, can you come over here and help us? Do you know that while I'm waiting and trusting and, and, and following God, even when I heard a no, God is getting me ready for my next yes. He's getting me ready for the next thing that he's going to do. And so they decide, okay, God's called us. Now watch this. Paul wanted to touch a couple of cities. Listen to this. But God wanted him to reach an entire new continent. See, sometimes God says no to a city because he's got a continent plan for you. Sometimes he says no to the little thing because he's got something so big you haven't even thought about it yet. This was the first time in Acts 16 that the gospel was ever preached to the continent of Europe. Paul was looking this direction and God was looking that direction. How many of us have come to the point to understand God sees what I can't see? God knows what I don't know. If I'll trust him when it doesn't make sense. If I'll still follow him when he tells me no. How many of you love him enough to love him even when he says no? (laughs) How many trust him enough when he says no? Do you know what I've discovered as a pastor? Talked to a lot of people in 41 years pastoring this church. And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes when people get what they want, they don't want what they get. See, some people have come to me and said, Pastor, I need counseling. And I discovered over the years they didn't want counseling. They didn't want advice. They wanted approval. They'd already made up their mind what they were going to do. They just wanted me to co-sign. They just wanted to say, Pastor said it was okay. Pastor said it was all right. I've, I've been amazed at the way my name's been used over the years. You know, I just walked through the room and somebody said, Well, Pastor was there. Like I called the meeting, was happy, and said amen and praise the Lord about it. Huh? So you see, there are going to be times you have to learn, God, even when you didn't give me what I thought I wanted, you loved me enough to give me what I needed. And what we have to recognize is those moments where our direction gets a little cloudy, where my plan seems like it's not coming together. If we'll trust God, God may just have a plan greater than my plan. He may have a plan bigger than mine. And that's what was going on here. So let's begin reading here in Acts 16 and verse 11. This is the first encounter of the gospel in the entire continent of Europe. He says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. See, it had the vision. We need some help in Macedonia, okay? And we stayed there several days. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, 
a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So this is the first encounter. Now what happens next? Watch this. Verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. How was she predicting the future? By what? A spirit. Okay? You need to remember that. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now that's, that trips some people up because literally she was telling, she was making a true statement with a false purpose. Did you get what I just said? She was giving a true statement with a separate agenda. And so to the ear alone, to the human ear, stay with me, guys. Everything sounded okay. But let's keep reading. Watch this. Verse 18. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said, To whom? Not the girl, but the spirit. This girl was demon-possessed. She was telling the future by demonic spirits. She was saying a true statement with a demonic agenda. The source was demons. So why would a demon tell the truth? Because he wants to manipulate those who heard it. Because the devil knew the gospel is coming to a continent for the first time. The devil knew that he couldn't defeat the power of God. So what did the devil try to do? He tried to go on, jump online with it. He tried to identify with it. He tried to find his way in. The devil will always do that. If he can't beat you, he'll try to deceive you. See, he, he wanted to come around and say, these guys, I can't defeat them. I can't stop this. So I'm going to get this little girl and she's going to be identified with the preaching of the gospel. She's going to link into this. We're going to take something ungodly and try to put it in connection with the things that are of God. But Paul was troubled. And he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Listen to what I want to tell you. In the day and time we're living, listen to me. This is not just for 2,000 years ago. We are living in the most religiously confused moment in the history of this nation. We have more things called God, I say with a little g, than you have ever heard about. There is more misconception, confusion, lies, and counterfeits circling around than you can ever have today. There are things called churches today that would be that would have appalled people one generation ago. There are people calling themselves ministers and pastors. There are buildings calling themselves churches that are in no way associated with the living God and the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. So how do I know when it's the spirit of the enemy speaking and when God is speaking? It's called discerning of the Holy Spirit. It's called the knowledge of the Word of God. If you want to... I have people... I, it's the strangest thing. I have people say, I, I, I just... I don't know about how the Holy Spirit moves. and I don't know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid that what if I get some counterfeit? You better get the gifts of the Holy Spirit so you don't get the counterfeit. You need the gift of discernment in your life. 
You need to be led of the Holy Spirit. We need to stop walking around being moved by our flesh and our carnality and our emotions. Are you with me, church? We are in a season. God is going to do something, not a little thing. I believe God wants to shake a nation. I believe God wants to save your family. I believe God wants to send a revival. I don't think God just wants us to go through the motions of church. I believe God has a big plan. Anybody with me in that today? And if that is the case, and it is, Satan is going to do what he can to try to piggyback on the real move of God. Okay? So they cast the demon out of this girl. Now watch this. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, There are two things that are driving our culture today. I'm about to read them both. One is money. Follow the money. You'll follow where it goes. Okay. So they were okay with Paul until they lost their money. Are you with me? So when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Watch what happened. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs and law for for us Romans to accept their practice. Look at verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into the stocks. That doesn't sound like a place to have a Holy Spirit encounter, does it? I mean, that's not exactly what you were praying for this morning when you got up and said, Lord, pour your Holy Spirit out on me. God, would you meet me in this moment? God, would you, you know, we didn't, when we pray those prayers, we weren't thinking, somebody's going to beat me up and throw me in jail. See, we weren't praying that. But what I want you to see, in the moments that are unexpected, everybody still with me? In the moments where it looks like the devil's winning, God's going to step into that moment. In a moment that may be unexpected and unlikely, it may be unfamiliar, it's in that moment where God may just step in and do something in your life that will remind you I'm still God and I'm in control of this moment. A PowerPoint. But I want you to see something, and it's just this little highlight to help you today. I believe it's important. I want you to know, first of all, when the guys lost their money, that's when they got mad. But then I want you to see what happened. Look at verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack. The crowd joined in the attack. You know, recently, as I've been reading through the New Testament again, I I, I saw and realized how often the crowd turned on Jesus. How often they would receive His blessing, His miracles, and be fed, and then turn around on Jesus. Do you know it was the crowd that crucified him? It was the crowd that betrayed him. Do you know that when you read about Jesus in the gospel, there are always two groups of people, the disciples and the crowd. We need to be asking ourselves, which one of those am I in? Do you know in every church, there are the disciples and there's the crowd. <laughs> Do you know that I can choose which one of those I want to be? Do you know if we go on into the, to the Acts, book of Acts, you know what's amazing? The crowd crucified Jesus. If we go into the book of Acts, we'll find it was the crowd that stoned Paul. We'll find them listening to his teaching in all these different cities. And then someone comes in and starts something and they start a riot, a mob, and a crowd. Do we know we need to ask ourselves today, I think it's very important, how easily can I become part of a crowd? How easily can I be part of a mob? 
How easily can my faith be turned into an attack? Do you know there always will be a crowd that attacks the gospel? There will always be a mob that attacks the word of God. Do you know why, why people join in a crowd? They didn't even know Paul and Silas. It wasn't even their battle. They hadn't lost any money. How did that crowd get stirred up so easy? How in the book of Acts did these people do what they did? Why did the people do that to Jesus? Because the crowd mentality speaks to your lowest nature. It speaks to your fear. It speaks to your insecurities. Everybody still with me? It speaks to the things you're afraid of. It speaks to the things you're jealous of. It speaks to the things you're immature about. It speaks to the things you're prejudiced about. Is anybody with me? And so anything that touches you there is not from God. It stirs you. So I ask myself, what is it? What does it take to make me part of the crowd? What does it take to move me from being a disciple to stepping into the crowd? Here's what I know. Today, the crowds and the mobs still form. Where are they, Pastor? They're online. They're the media mob that are attacking the word, that are attacking this. I want to ask you today. See, I'm not that old crutchety old man that says you shouldn't have a cell phone. I'm not that crotchety old man that says you shouldn't be online. I'm not going to stand up here and say the Internet's of the devil. The Internet's a tool. How are you going to use it? (laughs) Your phone's a tool. How are you going to use it? What I'm asking you is this. Are you part of the crowd or are you a disciple? Are you going to crucify Jesus or stand with Jesus? Is the mob going to influence you? Is the word going to influence you? I've found the crowd is always a larger number than the disciple. But it's the disciple who makes the difference. It's the disciple who walks with Jesus. It's the disciple that knows the word. It's the disciple who has the peace and the joy of the Lord. How many with me? So you need to ask yourself before you like and comment and cosign and jump in and, and, and get mad and do what you do. Is that honoring God? Are you cosigning? Are you becoming part of a mob? Are you crucifying Jesus? Are you honoring the gospel? Are you promoting Jesus? That was just free. Let me go on with my message now. So the crowd did what the crowd does. But let's go to verse 25. So they're locked in prison. <laughs> They've been beaten severely. It doesn't feel like a PowerPoint. It doesn't feel like a Holy Spirit prayer meeting, does it? Okay? But let's read. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Dear God, come on. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It didn't feel like a prayer meeting in that prison. Everybody with me? It didn't feel like the joy of the Lord. We didn't have the asteroids hanging and the rocket's red glare and the worship team singing and, and the musicians playing. It was dark and ugly and painful and humiliating and frightening. And Paul and Silas said, you know, let's just pray. Let's just pray. You know, there are a lot of moments in your life that will keep you from some destruction if you'd say, you know, let's just pray. There's some moments in your family where chaos is blowing around you. If somebody would just say, let's just pray. There's some moments in your marriage where you've gotten, where you're having a very agitated debate in the house, let me say. (laughs) Where you're having a very passionate discussion that somebody needs to take somebody's hand and say, we ought to just pray right now. There's some times before you click like on Facebook, you ought to type, let's just pray. (laughs) There's some moments when you don't feel like God is a thousand miles from you. 
There's some moments when you didn't like God saying no. There's some moments when it doesn't make sense. There's some moments when it seems like the answer's so far away. And in that moment, we always have a choice. In that moment, we always have a choice. And so these men said, let's pray and let's just sing hymns to God. And what amazes me, watch this, because there's a reason we read this. We read here about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Do you know that the people around you are watching what you do when the hard times come in your life? The other prisoners were listening to them. You know, if you start cussing and fussing, all the prisoners do that. I'm going to go over here on this side. If you start complaining and moaning, all the prisoners are doing that. There's some things everybody does in a hard time. But when somebody does the God thing in that moment, when somebody says, it's not comfortable, but I've got a choice. It's not easy, but I have a choice to make. The prisoners start listening to you. The bound people start saying, what in the world is going on in this place? Now look at verse 26. Notice this verse followed verse 25. What came first? Prayer. And let's just worship. Let's just honor God. In the middle of that, there was a PowerPoint. In the middle of their response, there was a suddenly in the middle of that moment, we read this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Look at this verse. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourselves. We are all here. Now, when it's midnight and dark and the chains come off and the doors come open, the felons are not sitting in the cells. It's like jailbreak. <laughs> Let's go. This is big. They sat there. Let's talk about that for a moment. They just remained in a moment. Now, here's what I want you to see. Come on. There are going to be moments in your life where it feels like you've been beaten up and locked up. There are going to be moments in your life where people have unjustly accused you. Are you with me, church? Paul and Silas didn't deserve the prison cell. Paul and Silas had not done anything wrong. Paul and Silas were being treated unfairly. Paul and Silas were being abused. They were dealing with dysfunction. They were the subjects of money and jealousy and demonic attack. But they had a choice in the middle of that. And here's what you and I have to learn. That my circumstances do not define my choices. No matter what the circumstances are, you can't steal my choice. You can lock up my hands. You can lock up my feet. You can even tie my mouth closed. But you can't stop my heart from making a choice. I'm going to honor my God in this moment. I'm going to stay on board in this moment. My circumstances are not the final authority of what I'm doing. You see, in serving God, in walking to your PowerPoint, it's not just what happens to me that's important. It's how I respond to what happens to me. I want to say that again. God has something planned for you. And you're moving toward it. But it's not what happens to you along the way that's most important. It's how I choose to respond to it. It's what my reaction to that may be. Look at this verse. Psalm 22 verses 1 through 3. Find that with me, would you? Psalms 22 verses 1 through 3. This psalm may be... The, one of this, this verse in Psalms 22 may be the one that more people might have heard than any other one and didn't recognize where it came from. Psalm 22 and verse 1. See if you recognize this. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Who said that when and where? Jesus said that on the cross. Do you realize? I have people ask me, why would Jesus say that on the cross? How could God forsake him? Do you realize he wasn't just speaking out of his emotion? He was quoting the word of God. He was lining up with something God had already put in place. Do you realize that in the darkest, most painful moment of Jesus' earthly existence, crucified, dying between thieves, dying for sins he didn't commit, dying for the sins you and I committed, carrying our cross, and he's there, and he says, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? Why are you so far off? He was quoting a verse so that you and I could read that verse today. He was making a connection with your pain. He was identifying with you in that moment where you feel like everybody rejected you. And your best friends betrayed you. And they walked off and left you and broke all their promises. Jesus wanted you to know, dying on the cross, he knows what it feels like when you're locked up and beat up and everybody's turned their back on you. He wanted you to know, I identified with you in that moment. He wanted you to know that no matter what is happening, I've got a choice to make. I can respond to this moment. I'm in this moment, but I'm not of this moment. Everybody with me? I'm in this moment, but God's bigger than this moment. Because if you keep reading, look with me. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I'm not silent. Then look at verse 3. Come on, here's another verse that's probably most quoted, and yet we never put them together. And then he says, yet, yet, God, I don't feel you. God, I don't see you. God, I'm having a hard day, yet I want you to know something. Yet I want you to know you're the God that inhabits the praise of his people. How many times on Sunday when we gather together, somebody says, God inhabits the praise of his people. God, come on, let's praise him because God inhabits the praise of your people. Do you know that's what happened in that Philippian jail? Paul and Silas said, man, I'm hurting. Man, I'm lonely. Man, I've been treated unjustly and it doesn't feel good yet. You're the God that inhabits the praise of his people. If you're willing to make the right choice, no matter how bad the circumstance is, God's going to show up in that moment in your life. God, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do that. See, the crisis doesn't, come on, listen, the crisis doesn't define me, it reveals me. The crisis didn't define me, it just revealed who I really am. How many times have you said, well, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done this. Well, what they did didn't make you do what you did. (laughs) It showed you who you are. Okay? The crisis doesn't define us. The crisis reveals us. It shows us what's really there. What's really inside. What do I really believe? What do I really hold on to? Am I just a Sunday worshiper? Or am I locking the prison in the jail worshiper? Am I just a good time worshiper? Or in my heart? Let me say it this way. Is worship what I do or is worship who I am? If worship just what I do, I'm probably not going to pray and sing hymns in jail. On the cross, in a rough moment. See, it just reveals me. And you know what else I found out about crisis? Crisis not only reveals me, it reveals my friends. That's who your friends are. You know the people that walk with you through the crisis? That's your buddy. You know the person that will pray with you when nobody else prays with you? There's your friend. Did you ever notice that when, when bad times show up, friends leave? Hard times got there go. This guy's the prodigal son. What finally brought him to the place where he said, I got to go home? Well, as long as he had money and was spending his inheritance, he had friends. And when all the money was gone, he's in the pig pen, he's by himself. 
But you know, sometimes God will let you get in the pig pen for you to remember how good it was back in the father's house. <laughs> for you to remember, no matter how bad my circumstances are, I have a choice. No matter what they've done to me, I have a choice. I don't just worship, I'm a worshiper. I don't just visit God, I love God. Anybody with me? I don't just talk about God, I've given my heart to Him. See, their faith, going back to chapter 16 of Acts, their faith, their prayer, their praise could not be confined by their circumstances. I, I found this out. My response puts a demand on heaven. Did you hear that? My response puts a demand on heaven. It's, it's like electricity. If I'm willing to praise him in the crisis, it's like you plug something into the wall. I've got to put a demand on it before heaven responds to it. I've got to respond for heaven to come. I've got to pull on that anointing. Anybody with me today? I've got to make a demand on that. I've got to do that. I can say it like this. This is what I've discovered. We will never out faithful God. Did you hear that? We will never out faithful God. What do you mean? Well, Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail, beaten and locked up, said, let's pray and let's worship God. God is not going to watch you do that and not be more faithful than you are. You'll never out faithful God. You'll never out faithful God. Look at 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I believe somebody needs to hear this today. You're thinking, God, I'm praying. God, what's happening? Look at 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Have you got that? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. I would say, God sees me. Say that. God sees me. But he's searching. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? Read it out loud. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He didn't say that you batted a thousand. He didn't say you never made a mistake. He didn't say you don't feel weak. He didn't say you were perfect. He said, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at your heart. He said, I'm looking for a place. Is anybody going to make a demand on me? Is anybody going to get my attention? Is anybody going to get my attention? And I left all this here because I want you to see it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to him. But look at this sentence. In this you have done foolishly. From now on you'll have wars. One of the few good kings, godly kings, if you read First and Second Kings, had had God's blessing on his life. God had been with him in every battle. God had rescued him in every moment. God had defeated every one of his enemies. But in his older age, listen to me, another army invaded him, and he went into the temple and took the gold and the silver that was God's and took it to another king and said, I'm in trouble I need your army. Come help me. And God said to him, King, what have you seen me do? How have I been with you every moment of your life? The prophet said, My eyes, the eyes of the Lord, they're running throughout the earth to show himself strong on those who are loyal to him. King God standing here, ready to show up for you. And you took the money and you bought the help of man. And God says, if that's what you want, you'll fight wars the rest of your life. Church family, the eyes of the Lord are roaming this planet right now, listening, looking, watching, hearing for the Paul and the Silas, the person that's in that moment that that, that looks like it's too late, it's never going to happen. So what happened? Suddenly, verse 26, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. The prison doors flew open and the chains fell off. This was a supernatural earthquake. You know that, don't you? It wasn't a natural earthquake. It didn't just happen to happen at that moment. It was a supernatural earthquake. The prison doors come open. 
It shook the foundations. It rattled the plans of the enemy. I want you to notice this. When the earth was shaken, when God stepped in and rattled the status quo, it says the chains fell off. Can I tell you how the symptoms of sin will leave you? The strongholds of sin will leave you. The addictions of sin will leave you. If we'll stop treating the chains or the symptoms and let God put an earthquake at the core, then the chains are going to fall off your life. We keep treating the symptom and God's going after the core. You give God your heart and God will knock the chains off your life. You give God your worship and God will knock the chains off your life. We keep trying to get rid of the chains and God keeps looking at our heart. Let God shake your heart and the chains are going to fall off your life. Now, let, let's, let's wrap this up with this. There's always an audience when you have a PowerPoint. When God encounters your life, when God does something supernatural... It's always bigger than just you. How many heard what I just said? When God steps in, it's always bigger than you. God wants to help you. But while he's helping you, he's speaking to somebody else. While he intervened in that moment, remember we read the prisoners were listening to them worship. The prisoners were captivated by someone who did the unexpected. They were captivated by someone who was faithful in a hard moment. And so they were listening. And then we read when the earthquake happened and the doors opened and the chains fell off. What did we see? They still were there. There is a freedom. Listen to me, church. That comes from God. We're a prisoner. This is the real story. By the way, this isn't a fairy tale I'm reading today. This is an eyewitness account. Anybody with me? This is the word of God. There is a freedom that is so real. That a prisoner would say, I'd rather sit in this prison as a free man than run out of the doors as a bound man. There is a freedom that God can give you this earth can't supply. There is a freedom that comes. And Paul and Silas, having that encounter with God as they worshiped and were faithful in that hard moment, caused the people around them to get freedom in their life. But look at verse 29. Look at this with me. The jailer called for lights. Rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. There's always an audience at your PowerPoint. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus. Are you ready, church family? Somebody needs to write their name by this verse. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and whom? Your household. God's PowerPoint is going to cause your family to be saved. Your Holy Spirit encounter is going to grab the prisoners around you. And they're going to say, I want to serve your God. The intervention of God in the crisis. See, the crisis you're walking through right now, if you'll be faithful, God's going to turn around in your favor. God's going to take what looks like despair and bring a testimony out of it. God's going to take your family that won't believe your words, but they'll have to agree with the miracle that happened in your life. This culture that we are living in the middle of, we're not going to win them by debating, by arguing, by pointing fingers, by being critical and judgmental. But when they see God step in and the power of the Holy Spirit changes something no one but God can change, there is a moment for God to begin to bring people into the kingdom. So they told them what to do. Look at verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Now I want you to watch something. When God comes in and steps in your moment and reverses what's happening in your life, you're beat up and locked up, and yet you've been faithful and there's a PowerPoint. People get saved. Lives change. And what the devil designed to destroy you, God turns around in your favor. 
Remember they said the jailer had beaten him and flogged him severely? Listen to me. You get to get this before you go. They had been beaten severely, but look at this, look at this verse, verse number 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. God will take what wounded you and turn it around to healing in your life. God will take what the enemy designed to destroy you and he'll start bringing healing in your life with that. Instead of you living like a victim, you're going to start being an overcomer. Instead of living like this person that was losing everything and you're the victim and everybody beats me up and life is unfair. If you will be faithful, God's power point in your life will be so dynamic that the people that wounded you will turn around and become healing in your life if you'll be faithful to God in these moments. But I'm not through. Look at verse 34. God's going to turn it around. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. My, my, my. Now, Psalms 23 says, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemy. You know why God prepared a table in the presence of your enemies? Because the people that were your enemies have turned in your favor now. They're very people that locked you up or feeding you now. Washing your wounds. Lining up with you. Anybody listening to me today? These people you're mad at, God wants to turn them on your side. These people, you know, we spend more time praying God get my enemy than God save my enemy. We spend more time saying, God, prove me right, than God, show them who you are. We need to begin to understand my crisis is an opportunity for God to step in and turn everything the devil designed to destroy me into a place where God's going to promote me. I want you to look at this verse 37, and I'll, and I'll stop with that. I want my worship team to come join me here, okay? Look at verse 37. Verse 37, get this. So, I, I love this before I read the verse. So God sets them free. God releases them. The prison gets saved. Prison revival. The household revival. And the next day, the authorities send word, okay, you can get out. We're already out. The devil's always a day late, a dollar short. The devil's always trying to piggyback on God's blessing. Come on. How many hear what I'm saying? The next day, the next day, oh, you're free. You can get out. Uh, just go ahead and go. And you know what they said? The, the jailer said, oh, Paul, come on. Just quietly get out of this place and go. Just go on. No, 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 no. I like this. Come on. There, s- s- come on. This isn't pride. <laughs> it's a little Holy Ghost backbone. Come on. Somebody listen to what I'm saying today. Somebody say Holy Ghost backbone. <laughs> Someone say Courage. Anointing. Fear is gone. So, so they say, come on, just, just look, you're, just go. He said, no, no, no. Verse 37. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? Come on. No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. When God turns it around, listen to me, your enemy will become your escort. <laughs> Your enemy will become your escort. The person that belittled you and betrayed you and and the enemy used to harm you, God's going to turn this thing around. Are you listening to me, church? We have to learn to stand up in our faith. Listen, we speak the truth, but we do it with love. We love people, but we're not afraid of the truth. You need to be comfortable with the truth in your life. You need to be established with it. Look, I'm not going quietly. 
I'm not going to slink out. I'm going to stand for the word of God. I'm not going to apologize for my faith. Anybody with me right now? If God be for me, who's against me? God's going to turn it around. Your enemies are going to heal you. Your enemies are going to feed you. Your enemies are going to parade for you. Why? Because God is faithful. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand and pray. We need to pray in a port of prayer right now. See, it may feel like midnight where you are. Everybody with me? may feel like midnight. Oh, pastor. Man, it's dark. It's dark. It's midnight. But you know, midnight is when one day is ending and a new day is starting. See, you're closer than you think. Oh, it's midnight. It's midnight. Oh, it's almost time for a new day. See, midnight... It is this place where I have to make a choice. It's where I have to choose. I, I can't see the sun yet, but I know it's coming. This day has been a hard day, but a new one's coming. There may be weeping for the night, but joy's coming in the morning. I'm, I'm not going to walk off in the middle of my weeping. I'm going to hang on for my rejoicing. Anybody with me? You beat me up and knock me down. You thought you had me and my family. You thought you stole my children. You thought you stole my health. You thought you stole my job. You thought you stole my future. You thought you stole my dignity. You thought you stole my dream. But I'm not going to give up in the middle of the night. I'm going to hold on. Something's coming. Something's coming. It sounds kind of rough. But they were beaten. Look. You may have a little blood in your mouth, but I'm still going to praise him. <laughs> you may have knocked my teeth loose, but I'm going to praise him. You you're may be bleeding and sore and stiff, and, and, and I can't do what I like to do. I'm locked up, but I'm going to praise him in the middle of this because it's not going to be long. Morning's going to come. Suddenly's going to come. And your children are going to look at you and say, if your God's that real... I want your God. Your, your friends are going to say, if God will walk you through that, I need to know that God. If God will bring you through that one, then I need to know who that God is for my life. You have a PowerPoint. You have a suddenly. You have a moment that God is going to show up when you didn't see him coming. Where you didn't recognize how close he was. He's too good. He's too close to walk off from him now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.